Uh, Now, the reading is Matthew 28. We're coming to the end. This is the last of a series that we've had over Easter, looking at the last three chapters of Matthew's Gospel, 26, 27, uh, and 28. And I'm going to pick up Matthew 28 from verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Let me pray. Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we dare to believe, and many of us are convinced of the evidence that on that first Easter day you came back to life and we celebrated it last Sunday. And now we celebrate that in your risen life you're still with us. You're alive and with us. We can't see you but you're here today by your Holy Spirit. So will you come and commission us as you commissioned the eleven? For your glory's sake, we pray this. Amen. So this is what is called Jesus' great commission. The very last words uh, of Jesus, according to Matthew. And it's the great commission to make disciples. His final words in the gospel. And, And why would we want to do that? Well, not only because Jesus has told us to, this is a command here. And not only for that reason, but also out of love and compassion for people. And for the transforming difference that it can make in their lives. A difference that will last forever. Let me ask, you see, what is Christianity? The answer is, it's a, well, there's lots of ways of phrasing the answer, but one way is, it's a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, and then following him as a disciple. I'm so grateful for the friend when I was a student. His name was Mark. Uh, this was 50 years ago next month. I know I don't look old enough to have been a student half a century ago. But he bothered to invite me to meet Jesus Christ and to follow him, to become a Christian disciple. And I'm so grateful to Mark because it changed my life. Indeed, it divided my life between BC, before Christ, and AD, the year of the Lord for me. Now, before we go deeper, I want you to notice two things. And the first is this, that this commission was given to disciples. Look at verse 16 again. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. You see, it was an appointed meeting. And then Jesus came to them, verse 18, and said, now make disciples. So do you see, Jesus made disciples, a dozen of them, but those disciples were then to make other disciples. Disciples making disciples. And this is God's plan, and not only for them, but for all Christians throughout the whole church age. You see, the very last words, to the very end of the age, imply that. Don't they? 
they weren't going to live beyond the first century. So if it's a command to the end of the age, it must be addressed to the whole church throughout the ages. And that means it's addressed to us today, to all of us who are followers of Jesus, make disciples. So it's disciples, and the word literally means learners, who make other disciples, other learners. So that making disciples is the sign of being a disciple yourself, being a learner. And I dare to say that if we're not involved in some way in others coming to follow Jesus, well, there's a question about our own following of Jesus. That's what becoming a lifelong disciple looks like. And a Christian never takes off his or her L-plates, learner plates. Now, you may know that learning to drive a car, the letter L, learner driver, is often replaced by the letter P, probationary driver, during the first year of driving after passing the test. But when you become a Christian, you aren't a probationary believer, a provisional one, as if you were on probation and God might take away your provisional license at any time. No, you're a real Christian, not a probationary one, but you are still a learner Christian, and not just for a year, but for the whole of your life, a follower of Jesus. And you demonstrate you are following by leading others to follow. Now, that's why this year we've put our aim as a church to help people come home to God. Now, that includes ourselves as well. We too are on our way home. And our aim is to help others come home. You see, the church in every generation is only one generation away from extinction. Unless this process continues, disciples making disciples. And this is God's plan. And it's so exciting to be part of it. I found it over these 50 years to be such an adventure. And the Christian faith is inescapably a missionary faith. So that's the first thing. Now secondly, by way of introduction, this commission is not only given to disciples, but also to doubters. Doubting ones at that. Look at verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him. And Matthew adds, but some of them doubted. So if you have doubts today, you're not disqualified from being involved in God's grand scheme of things. Isn't that reassuring? Isn't it also realistic? If you or I had made all this up, we wouldn't have included among the first believers doubters. This detail, as with so many numerous other details in the resurrection narratives, has the ring of truth about it. It's also comforting, but some doubted. So that you don't have to answer all the questions of life to invite others to come and explore the big questions with you. You just have to be a learner yourself. Uh, isn't this true? Isn't this your experience? In my experience, the people who have all the answers are rather off-putting. I recoil from them. We rather suspect their honesty or perhaps their self-awareness 
or their intelligence, both intellectual and emotional, even their integrity. Whereas to say to your friends or colleagues, I don't know all the answers, but I think I'm beginning to connect with the one who does, and I'm trusting that he will in due course explain all, in the next life, even if not this. That's so much more attractive. So I've invited all those who completed the last Alpha course to join me on the team of the next course wherever they've reached in their journey of exploration. I have doubts of all sorts. So I've invited other doubters to lead with me. You see, the issue is not whether we've answered all the questions of life, but whether we're going on asking them. And I find this immensely comforting that this commission was given to some who doubted. And challenging too. Because I can't hide behind the excuse that I'm not sufficiently sure of my faith to be inviting others to meet Jesus. I can never say, one day when I have complete assurance, when I have full conviction, then I'll dare open my mouth. Not until I've got all the answers, only then, but until then, I'll leave it to those more confident or eloquent or extrovert. Now, friends, that day will never come, at least not this side of death. And after that, it'll be too late. I can't hide behind my doubts. This commission was given to some who doubted. Doubters, incidentally, not detractors. There was one detractor among the twelve. And the commission was not given to Judas who disqualified himself. Jesus didn't disqualify him. He disqualified himself by ending his life in despair. But it is given to each one of the other 11. Now let's go a bit deeper. I want to point out about this commission, its range, its limit, and its focus. Look at the wide range of Jesus' commission. He claims to have been given all authority. Not just in church or over Christians. Not just in heaven, he says, in heaven and on earth. And he passes that authority on to us, which is why, for example, we have mission partners in Indonesia and Burundi and China and the Congo. But of course, that only draws in a few of us. More than that, your home group is given that authority. Do you have a mission focus? You could invite your friends who are not yet believers to a drinks party and to come with you on this next Alpha course in a fortnight. And then again, he charges his followers to go to all nations. Literally, all the ethnic groups. Not just those of apparently no beliefs, but to every people group. All ethnicities and all beliefs. Now, we can't go, all of us, to many nations. Although we can support those who do. Uh, for example, on short-term mission trips like the one this summer with 24-7. Or sponsoring those who ride to Paris, raising funds and involvement in IJM, the International Justice Mission, releasing slaves all over the world and telling them about freedom in Jesus. 
We can do that. But actually, we don't need to go to all the nations when all the nations come to London. What a cosmopolitan city it is. I was on platform six of East Croydon, as one does, just a few days ago. And I got a coffee from the AM, I nearly said the ATM, the AMT coffee cubicle. And the girl the other side spoke to me in an obviously East European accent. So I said to her, where she was getting me my coffee, where are you from? And she said, from Romania. And I said, well, I've been to Romania. She said, where did you go? I said, I've been to Timisoara, Aradia, and Sibiu. She said, that's where I'm from. Uh, and then I said, yes, I was, I was there. She said, what were you doing there? Because it's not a holiday place. I said, no, it's certainly not. She said, what were you doing there? I said, I was taking Christian materials during the Ceausescu regime. Uh, I'm a pastor of a church. And she said, is that legal? And I said, no, it wasn't. And the conversation continued a little bit until the train went. You see, it's so easy to meet the world in London. I'm kicking myself that I didn't take the conversation further. And I invite you, because I'm going to go back, special trip to Platform 6 at East Croydon sometime in the next week or so. Tell me what I would have said next. Again, the message is not just a few selected sayings or a simple gospel message, but everything Jesus said that I have commanded you. And that's why to make disciples, we don't just make converts. Conversion implies a single turning to Christ, which may be the necessary beginning of a relationship with him. It was for me. But it doesn't end there with turning to Christ. We have to go on learning from Christ. We're to be lifelong learners, helping others to be lifelong learners. And again, the Christian mission uh, will have no uh, end while this earth remains. Always, it's literally all the days to the very end of the age. You and I may only live a generation, but we can go all our days. For example, as one of the over 300 from this church who sponsor a child through compassion, we can keep up praying for him, writing to her. But what a scope, what a wide range of this commission. All authority, all nations, all things I've taught you and always. But there are also limits to this commission. Look at the narrow limits. It's not all authority to use power to our own ends, to do magic, to be our own Harry Potter or control others to win them over, to join us, our group. That's usually labelled with the dirty word proselytism. And as a church, we have a non-proselytizing policy in everything. The authority Jesus passes on is the authority that was given to him, that is by his father, the authority Jesus himself exercised, which was to show compassion, to serve, to teach, to cast out evil, to heal, and ultimately to give himself, to sacrifice himself. That's the commission. So we're not to proselytize ever. 
We are to be and share good news of a God who loves us, who came and died to forgive us, who took our sins upon himself as we've celebrated this Easter and wants to transform our lives in this life and the next. Again, there's no over-optimistic assumption that every single person in the world will turn to Christ. The expectation is not of all people in every nation, nor even all people in some nations, but that some in every people group will be reached before Christ returns. And this is happening all over the world. The church in the world is growing. Two billion and rising. Did you know that over half the Christians who have ever believed in Jesus since 2,000 years are alive today? Again, the Christian mission is not to teach every subject on earth, worthy though that enterprise may be. I used to be a schoolmaster. But to pass on the way of Christ. And though it is to teach people, it's not to teach them to follow us, but to follow Jesus. Not to be our disciples, that's proselytizing again, but be his disciples. The acid test of which would be we would be just as thrilled if someone who became a disciple through our helping them went to another church, not to our church. That would be the acid test. And yet again, this mission will not actually be forever. It will end when this age passes away. So there are limits to the Great Commission. There's a range, there's a limit, and thirdly and finally, there's a focus. And the focus is on Jesus himself. Jesus says, go because it's my authority to send you. And it's my authority from the Father given to me that you go with. It's not your own authority. It's not the church's authority. It's certainly not where increasingly secular authorities give you permission to go. And he says, go to all people groups because they're mine. The implication is the whole world is mine. And go with my truths, he says, not just a few of them, but all of them. Everything I have taught you. Because I am the truth and my truths are all the truths the world needs to know to follow me. And he says, go with my presence. Behold, I will be with you. Now, we may be very familiar with those few words. We have to pause to say what a fantastic promise that is. Utterly astounding. No Muslim has Muhammad with them. No Buddhist has Gautama, the Buddha, with them. But Jesus promises, I will be with you. And he means that in reality. He means it literally. Not in the sense that Che Guevara lives on. He doesn't. Jesus means not just his memory with us or his example to us or his words his teaching with us, or in some nebulous way with the spirit of Christianity living on, inspiring us. No, he means literally. With my spirit in you. 
my presence in your life. It's the key thing. So I'm struck by the total Christ-centeredness of the Great Commission. It's as if he says, it's my authority, it's my world, it's my teaching, and it's my presence. Now go. Someone said to me last fortnight, he said to me, this is not complicated. Which bit of the word go don't you understand? People sometimes say that the church is in decline in the West because the nation is increasingly secular. But isn't it the other way round? That the nation is increasingly secular because the church is not making disciples as it could and should. Uh, You could mentor a younger believer. You really could. You could perhaps lead a home group. You could. Making disciples. You could invite a friend to the sports quiz or the dance festival. You can do these things. Be part of the chain of links that help people to follow him. And on a wider level, at its best, the Anglican Communion has in large measure obeyed this commission and still does today. It has reached unreached people across the whole world. That's why St. George's is still in Baghdad when most other churches have left with its medical clinic. That's why the church has taught the truth to whole nations. That's why the majority, for example, of Nigerian leaders were educated in CMS schools, Church Mission Society. It has carried Christ and his message of love to the most needy. That's why in India, almost all the Anglicans are low-caste Dalits, the poorest of the poor. So you may have heard this before. The average Anglican in the world today, amongst those two billion, is black, evangelical, aged under 20, and lives on two pounds a day. So literally, as I close, Jesus said, this is actually how you would translate it literally. He says, it's in three stages. He says, going, that's the first stage. Make disciples, that's the heart of it. And then he adds, baptizing and teaching. That's the sequence, going first, make second, and then baptizing and teaching. So that the prerequisite is to go. You have to go to people to make disciples. And the sequel is to baptize and teach. Baptism, as you know, is the sign of becoming a believer. Notice, incidentally, baptizing in the name, singular, every letter in this sentence, not just every word, every letter counts. Baptizing in the name, singular, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Surely it should be in the names, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Isn't it a grammatical error? Well, no, because he is one God in three persons. Triunity, Trinity. So it's in the name. And teaching is the process of growing as a believer. But the central thing is make, make disciples. It's the main verb in the sentence and it's the main thing. 
Jesus could have said, go and make families. That, after all, was the first commission to humankind, to go forth and multiply. That would have been right and good. He could have said, go and make money and use it to do good works. That might have been part of it, because money rightly stewarded and used for the kingdom of God releases mission and ministry and does all sorts of good. He could have said that. He could have said, go and make communities. Because we know that God has a very high investment in harmonious human society. But his parting word was none of those things. His parting word on earth was to go and make disciples. It overarches everything. And if we are true disciples, as a friend of mine who's a well-known church leader has said, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Let's stand. As the band come up, please stand. Jesus commissioned the 11, but as we've suggested, that comes right down to us today. So may I, this isn't me doing it, but as it were in God's name, commission all of us, including myself, to continue to be part of this chain of events, this grand scheme of things, his great plan for human society. Lord Jesus Christ, alive today, by your Spirit, commission me, us, to go and make disciples. Thank you for your promise to be with us every day to the end of the age. Help us to play our part if any of us have been hiding behind whatever excuse, I don't know enough, I don't believe enough, I'm not extrovert enough, I'm not sufficient enough, my life is inadequate, whatever excuse we say to ourselves, sweep it away with your grand design to make disciples in every generation. And we ask this in your name. Amen.